are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve both. And now, let's listen in to this week's sermon. If you would, open up to Luke chapter 8. We're going to be looking starting in verse number 41. And while you are doing that, I want to ask a question. How do you define faith? Maybe thinking, oh, that's easy. Let me give you the, the Sunday school answer, Jesus, which Jesus is the answer to everything, right? Um, but I'm, he is, that's right. So I want you to think about that. How do I define faith? And your mind may go immediately to the book of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 1. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. But still I ask, what is faith? When you sat in that chair that you're sitting in right now, you looked at it. You approached that chair and you said, okay, this looks like a sturdy, well-built chair, which these are. But you looked at that and said, if I sit, if I take all of the weight off of my feet and put that onto my lower half, that chair will hold me. There was an element of faith in that. Your faith is that that chair will not buckle, that it won't break, that it won't snap a leg or or something like that. So in the natural, in the non-biblical terms, faith is believing that that chair will do exactly what it is advertised to do, and that is to hold us up. But in the biblical sense, I want you to think about this, and and I want you to really kind of listen to this definition of biblical faith, not talking about faith sitting in the chair, but in a biblical sense, the definition is this, and it may be similar to what it is that, that you have in your mind, But biblical faith is relinquishing trust in ourselves and putting that trust into Christ. So relinquishing trust in myself and putting that trust into Christ. So when we look at biblical faith, that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. In our passage, we're going to have two accounts, two accounts of what biblical faith looks like. They're very different accounts, but at the, at the same breath, they are very much similar. So have you found Luke 8, 41? And I'm going to be reading out of the New King James. So let's read Luke 8, 41. It says, Behold, and behold, there came a man named Jairus. I'm going to try to say that without a Texas accent. Jairus, not Jairus. So, behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years old of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. Now a woman, having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all of her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind, touched the border of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him 
said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you, and you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceive power going out from me. Now, when, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, talking about Jesus, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. So this is the first account of biblical faith that we're looking at this morning. The second is going to come here in just a little bit when we're talking about Jairus's daughter. Now, the woman with the issue of blood, this should be a very familiar account to everyone. This woman had essentially, in, in medical terms, she had a hemorrhage for 12 years. Now, she had spent all that she had, every single dime she had, she spent to try to fix this problem. Now, here's what's interesting. According to Leviticus 15, this woman was unclean, which meant she was not around, not allowed to be around the men, the women, the townspeople. She was kept outside of the city walls with the lepers, the tax collectors, the other unclean people. They said, uh-uh, you're one of them. Get. In modern terms, get. Now, she was kept outside. Not only, I want you to see this, not only was she poor financially because she spent every penny she had to try to fix this problem, she was poor spiritually. Why? Because when you are considered unclean by the Jews, you can no longer worship corporately with other people. They were saying, you're not even well enough to be around us. So did she hear the teaching of the scribes and the, and the, the other Jewish religious people? Mm -mm. Unless she had really good hearing, a miracle ear, she didn't have that. So she couldn't hear and practice her faith. So she was poor physically and she was poor spiritually. Because of her social status, that's how the Jews treated her. But what she did was she risked death because you have to understand they were very good keepers of the law, meaning you do not break this law. If you do, we will break you in terms of stoning someone to death. So imagine an unclean woman coming in the presence of all of these people, these religious Jews, knowing that she was unclean, not only that, but she was also, it's a very embarrassing ailment that she had, but she risked her life to go up to Jesus because she kept saying, if I could only touch the hem of his garment, if that's all I can do is just touch him, I will be made well. Mark's gospel records this says, if I can only go up and touch him, I know that he can heal me. So what did she do? She crawled through the crowd and she touched him. Now, immediately, immediately, two things happened. Number one, her flow of blood dried up instantly, miraculously. That's the first thing. The second thing that happened was Jesus was like, whoa, who touched me? It says, I perceive power going out of me. Now, just a, a quick side note, 
and Nate is going to talk more about this next week. But Jesus was full of not only the Holy Spirit, but he was full of power when he was in his ministry. Enough to where when this woman touched the hem of his garment, I picture like someone tugging on like a robe or something like, whoa, it stops you. It's like, whoa, something happened. He perceived that. He had that authority. He had that power. So when he felt that woman touch the hem of his garment, risk it all to go through there, he felt that power leave him. So what did he do? He said, someone touched me. Everybody was like, nope, not me. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. It wasn't me. And she knew what had happened. So she came before Jesus and said, it was me. But let me tell you what happened. He said, she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him. Why? She believed that he could heal her. These doctors, everyone that she went to ahead of time, were not able to do it. But she said he could. She said in front of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. She went to Jesus and said, guess what you did? Not me. We tend to focus on the woman, but it's really about what Jesus did. He healed her immediately. And his response in verse 48, daughter, be of good cheer, meaning chin up. Be thankful. He says, your faith has made you well. So that definition that I talked about, let me rephrase verse 48. Daughter, be of good cheer. Your willingness to relinquish trust in yourself and putting that trust into me has made you well. Your understanding of, in, in the case of this woman, which doctor? Well, this guy didn't, not a witch doctor, which doctor? Well, this guy can't fix me, but maybe this guy, well, I don't know. Asking her friends, what do you think? Which one? That's her power, her ability to choose. But again, biblical faith is relinquishing trust in ourselves, saying, I don't know. Lord, I need you. So when she did that, she risked it all, risked her life to go up just to touch the hem of his garment. And she said, if I do that, I will be made well. I believe that this guy can do it. It's not on her. It is on him. Now, the second account, which is, this is one story, as we're going to see here in just a little while. Let's continue with verse 49. It says, while he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. The ruler of the synagogue, as we read earlier, his name is Jairus. Verse number 50. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, do not be afraid. Only believe and she will be made well. When he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John and the father and mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. 
knowing that she was dead. But he put them all outside, took her by the hand, and called, saying, Little girl, arise. Then her spirit returned, and she arose immediately. He commanded that she be given something to eat, and her parents were astonished, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. So again, a continuation of really the same story, and you will see how it will come full circle. So in verse number 50, Jesus heard this when they said, no, she's dead. Don't, don't worry about it. Yeah, exactly. Amen to that. So in verse number 50, you have the people saying, no, 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 she's dead. She's dead. Don't even waste your time. She's already dead and gone. Jesus says, only believe, only have faith, and she will be made well. Not faith in and of yourselves, but have faith in me, is what he's saying. Mark's gospel says, and this is from J. Iris, saying, he comes up to Jesus and says, Lord, if you come and lay hands on her, she will live. That was the faith that J. Iris had in Christ, not himself, but he knew that Jesus could do this. He knew that Jesus was capable of doing that. Now, something very interesting happens here. Jesus calls his inner circle, and I call them the inner circle because we look at the thousands of, of the multitudes, these disciples. A disciple is a learner, but you have the 12 apostles. They were set apart from the rest of the group for a specific mission. Now, within that group of 12 apostles, you have the three that are the inner circle. And there is a reason why that they have done this. There are three times where these three men, Peter, James, and John, are called to see something that no one else is going to see. This is the first account. But all three of these times are in relation to death. So let me explain what I'm talking about. Here in the home of Jairus, he brings Peter, James, and John, his inner circle, to show, to demonstrate to them that Jesus has victory over death. The second time, which we're going to see here in a couple weeks, is on the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus reveals his true divinity to these three men that shows them that he would be glorified in death. And the third time is in the Garden of Gethsemane. That is where Jesus surrendered to death. Surrendered to the will of the Father that this had to happen. So these three men, these, these guys who were in the inner circle, were brought into the home of Jairus, at the mocking of the crowd. Look at verse 53. It says, and they ridiculed him knowing that she was dead. Kids today, I say kids like I'm a thousand years old. Kids today say that these people are haters. That's what these people are. Sitting outside watching all of the young people snickered at that. So anyways, 
so what he did to the mocking of the crowd, they were saying, no, no, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. She's dead. Stop wasting your time. Jesus goes in and what he does is he walks in and according to Mark's gospel, he says, Talitha Kumi, Talitha Kumi. Guess what her name was? Talitha. Says that translates Talitha, arise, get up and walk. So we see the faith of Jairus. When we take Luke's gospel and take the, the details of Mark's gospel, we get a pretty clear story. More details about what happens. And I would encourage everyone, when you are reading through one of the Gospels, go to the parallels and read and get those details and then mash them all together because you get one very, very good narrative. So we have the faith of Jairus. He says, if you come in here, she will be made well. You can lay your hands on her and she will be fine. So again, Jairus, what he did was he relinquished trust in himself and put that trust into Christ. So our topic this morning is the issue of faith. And I'm going to say this, it may step on some toes. Sometimes we make faith about ourselves. I see some heads nodding. Yep, I'm guilty of it. Sometimes we make faith about ourselves, our performance when it comes to trusting God. So let me give you an example. This person was sick over here. I prayed and prayed and prayed and they didn't get better. We make that about ourselves. When someone asks, well, why did that person, why are they still sick? I don't know. It's, man, I've been praying until I'm sweating and, and nothing's happening. We make it about performance. But again, I'm, I'm going to reiterate the definition, relinquishing trust in ourselves and putting that trust into Christ. Or when someone's sick in the hospital and they end up passing away, they go to be with the Lord. And everyone's asking, why did that happen? It's like, well, you don't understand. I prayed. I did all of these things over them, which we should do. But we make it about performance when we shouldn't. And so I want to point out three points about faith in Jesus Christ. Number one, there is nothing holding us back. There is nothing holding us back from having faith in him. Maybe thinking, okay, well, that's kind of weird. I want to show you something. In our story this morning, the, the, the two accounts, Jairus, how old was his daughter? Twelve. How long did that woman suffer with her blood? Twelve. So, Jesus does not discriminate. And what am I talking about? He was the ruler of the synagogue. He presumably had wealth, had stature. He had all of this. 
probably a nice home, jet skis, whatever. She was in misery for 12 years. Now, Jay Iris, him and his daughter, 12 years of joy playing, taking her to Chuck E. Cheese, whatever they did back then. 12 years of joy versus 12 years of misery. What do they have in common? They both had faith in Christ, not themselves. They went to Christ and said, I believe that you can do this. I know that I can't, but I believe that you can. I trust that you can. So what this tells us, Jesus does not discriminate. If you are poor, if you are wealthy, if you're a ruler of a synagogue, or if you're an outcast of society, if you're white, black, brown, tall, short, fat, doesn't matter, faith in Christ transcends everything. There is no discrimination to where Jesus is saying, well, I can't really honor your prayers because of this. You're too skinny. You're too ugly. You're too whatever. He doesn't do that. He says, come to me. So our faith should be in him, and that should transcend everything. So point number one, there is nothing holding us back from having faith in Christ. Number two, our faith should be in him and in his power, not in ourselves. Faith is not a formula. Faith is not a formula. There is no magic prayer. There is no magic water. There is no magic hand movements or anything like that that can heal people. Our faith is in Jesus Christ, the great physician, the healer. It is not in and of ourselves. Doesn't matter how many commercials you see of televangelists selling magic water from wherever that can cure COVID and all of this kind of stuff. Jesus is the healer. Now, when it comes to the issue of faith, this is still on that second point. Our faith should be in him and his power. There are some in this room and there are some who are watching online right now who have the 1 Corinthians 12 gifting when it comes to faith. Meaning, That is a gifting that the Holy Spirit has empowered in them. So, has anyone ever taken a spiritual gifts test? Have you done that? Okay. Some people, one of your highest ones or top three, will be faith. Does that make you any better or any worse than the person whose faith is number 12? No. No. Mercy is way low on mine, so that's why I don't feel bad for you right now. I'm just kidding. But some people have that as their number one or number two or number three. Doesn't make you better if it's this person's is number 12. Why? Because we are one body that all meshes together. I'm not just talking about Freedom Fellowship. We have people watching from Virginia right now. Your home church, you're part of that body as well as the bigger body of Christ. But I also want to make this point as well. Every man has a measure of faith, man, woman, child. It is 2021. 
Every man has a measure of faith. How do we know that? Well, the Bible tells us, number one. But also, how did we receive salvation? Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it is grace through faith that you are saved, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It is God's grace. It is our even tiny little faith when we are a brand new Christian enough to say, I cannot do this on my own. I need Jesus Christ. That is how we were born into his kingdom. That little measure of faith, everyone has that. So if someone you come across says, well, you know, I just, I don't have faith. Yes, you do. They may not have the gift of faith, but they have it. So first point, there's nothing holding us back from having faith in him. Number two, our faith should be in him and in his power. And this is very similar to what we talked about. Faith is not about performance. Faith is not about performance. You may have been to Freedom Fellowship every single Sunday since this church opened. That does not make you any different from someone who just came in last week. Why? Jesus is not a respecter of persons, which means you don't have to do all of these churchy type things in order to gain favor favor with God. It's like, well, this person's been to church more than you, so I'm going to answer his prayers over yours. No, it is trusting in God. It is not about performance. Now, we have a part to play. Because the Apostle James says, faith without works is dead. What are those works? I believe, but what are those works? Those works are acts of faith. Now, I could easily get into, slide into a ditch on this and talk about doing things like I could jump off the top of this building and say, well, the Lord's going to save me and then splat saying, well, I trust that he's going to save me. It's like, well, don't be a dummy and jump off the side of the roof. Same thing, uh, we may edit this out of the video. When COVID first came up, there were some people, they refused to wear masks. They said, nope, I'm trusting in Jesus. It's like, okay. Why do you wear a seatbelt when you drive down the road? You trust in Jesus, he'll save you. Why? Because the Lord gave us a brain, right? But I digress. Point number three, faith is not about performance. And I'm going to end with this as the praise and worship team comes up. Our job is simply to trust in him, period. To trust in him. It is not about our performance For me to say, hey, look how much faith I have. Look how much little faith you have. Look at me. Look at me. It becomes about me. It's got to be about him. We call him Lord. Lordship, surrendering to the Lordship of Christ is so important because that means every area of our lives. We should trust him and remain obedient to him at all times. Our faith is in him, not 
of ourselves. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.